Welcome to All Things Wolves and Lyle, brought to you by Wolves of the Rockies. I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. She's arguably the most knowledgeable, diligent, and respected anti-trapping advocates on the ground today. Casey York and her organizations, Trap Free Montana and Trap Free Montana Public Lands, has stood front and center in the fight against trapping in the state of Montana. I've had the pleasure of hearing Casey speak at Fish, Wildlife, and Park meetings and legislative sessions. She's not only a powerhouse, but a true warrior in the fight for our wildlife and our wildlands. I'm so honored to have her here with me today. So without further ado, here's Casey York. Casey, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Um, really is awesome to have you here talking to me. Um, I want to touch on a few things. Uh, most importantly, yeah, who who's Casey? Who's Casey York? Where'd you come from? You've been doing this a long time. Um, I know you did uh, trap-free things in Colorado. So if you could just kind of, you know, tell me about where you came from. What what's this? What is it with wildlife and and, and trapping? Well, um, you know, it's kind of how I was raised. I, I have been passionate about animals my whole life since I was knee high to a grasshopper. And my parents were almost like the epitome of green acres. <laughs> my mother was a, my mother was a model from New York. She had won a beauty contest. And my stepfather was from the sticks of Perry, Florida, you know, where they made moonshine and um, were hunters and trappers, oh. trappers during the dep- during the Depression. And he was a rancher. They had, oh, hundreds of acres. We still have some land there. Um, and so the combination of both of them, my mother was an animal lover during the Depression. She was getting the kittens the drowned kittens out of the garbage cans and giving them the milk that had been donated to her family. And we go way back into our appreciation and care and understanding and fascination with animals. Um, I don't know kind of how it came about my interest in trapping when I was in Colorado. Um, I was doing some other animal work. I think I was active in a spay-neuter program. I was the director and just sometimes it's kindred spirits, people that care about animals kind of find one another. So I got involved in Colorado. um, And then when I moved to Montana, the, um, I went to a workshop, a trap release workshop, um, how to release your pet. And I thought, why are we, why are we talking about releasing our pets? Why are, why are, why is this still going on? And that's what motivated me to get um, involved here in Montana. Awesome. So I, I went to one of those, and that's how <laughs> when I moved to Montana, I went to Helena in Helena, and I went to one of those workshops, and um, it blew me away because I had no idea that this was happening. And I started talking to folks around Helena, and they had no idea. And so many people. As you know, in Montana, we're outdoorsy people, right? We want to be out and about with our pets. And uh-huh. I was out running around with my dogs, you know, in riverways, and they were running and, you know, having a great time in the water. And I thought back to that, and it just made me cringe. Um, 
knowing what could have happened to my uh-huh. kids, you know, it just truly freaked me out. And, um, so yeah, that's just some scary stuff. Um, you have an organization called trap free Montana public lands, and you have done some pretty amazing stuff. It's a nonprofit. So, you know, uh, you're a 501 C three, correct? So education is your main, main focus in changing law. If you can, correct. Well, actually, we have two organizations. We have Trap Free Montana. Yeah, Trap Free Montana Public Lands formed initially as a ballot initiative. And when that um, ballot initiative effort was done, we were still, you know, we weren't going to quit. We weren't going to stop. And um, in talking with our attorney, we were debating, should we continue and form a um, Take Trap Free Montana Public Lands as a C4 so we could do some legislative work um, or make a do a 501c3, a charitable nonprofit? And he said, why not do both? So we actually have both. Trap Free Montana Public Lands is a 501c4, which focuses much more on trapping reform and um, trap free public lands, whereas Trap Free Montana focuses on the educational component and increasing public awareness and alternatives to trapping, respectful coexistence. So we, we, we have both of them and they're, you know, they're affiliates, um, sister affiliates. Yeah. So Trap Free Montana, um, Trap Free Montana, which, you know, I'm, 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 um, intrigued by trap free Montana. I'm intrigued by what you do and what you know. Um, for everyone out there, no one knows more about trapping, trapping laws than Casey York. She is an absolute <laughs> freaking guru on this stuff. So any information you need, um, go to trap free Montana, uh, org. That's trap for any information. Um, it's there. And, you know, Casey's number is right up there. So if you have questions that you don't find the answers to on this site, um, seriously, she's got the answers. And I think as I always, and, and I've used your website for numerous educational things for me, you know, as a wolf person and so on and so forth, just knowing about, um, you know, non-target wildlife, things like that, that absolutely infuriate me. Um, that people don't understand trapping is non, you know, you may go out and set a trap for a wolf, but traps and, and animals, they, they don't know, Oh, that's, that's set for wolf. I'm a mountain lion. I'm not supposed to hit it. And so I, I think people don't really understand where these traps are set and how, how often they're in the same areas as these traps. So can you enlighten me and everyone else about, where are these traps? How close to how close to trails? How close to, you know, um, areas that we recreate? Are these traps being set? And how are they? You know, how often are they set? Are they set year round? That type of a thing. Um, well, trapping is legal in Montana year round. What changes? are the species that can legally be trapped. However, we have a long, what they call, fur bearer trapping season. Um, that runs for 
oh, five and a half months. Jeez, what is a fur bear? What's, what's considered fur bear? So, so a fur bear, and it's interesting that they even label these wild species, these animal species, as fur bear. That's very oh, telling. Um, they um, so your fur bearers in Montana are bobcat, swift fox, otter, fisher, muskrat, weasel, beaver, mink. Um, so a lot of water so species. The, well, not necessarily, but yeah, the water species definitely your your water mammals, I should say, and then your um, then the others, you know, like I said, the bobcat, uh, the swift fox, and the otter and the fisher are the other um, animals classified as fur bears. Then you have all these other species that are considered either non-game or predators. And that would be things like badger, red fox, coyote, raccoons. There's actually, oh, about 20 species that they can legally trap. Year-round. Well, no. Um, Probably out of, um, let me think, probably out of those 20, I would think there's, about half of them would be year-round that they could trap, maybe a little less than that. I'd have to kind of add up the, the species. Um, mm. Yeah, at least a third of them they can trap year-round. Now, sometimes they don't because they want they want the prime fur. That's why winter is the heavy trapping season because they really want that, that nice fur, that prime winter coat. Um, but the number one reason trappers say they trap is for fun something to do. What? So they, they could do it year round. Um, getting back to where, well, basically almost anywhere on our public, on our public lands, there's, there's some areas that are closed off to trapping, but, hmm, um, it's secret, secreted. They do not have to be marked. A lot of people think that there has to be signs or the traps have to be marked. They do not. In fact, the trappers don't want that because they don't want anybody to know where their traps are or their trap lines. So anybody they, could happen upon these traps at any point in time in the backcountry or front country for that matter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People will ask, well, how can they protect themselves against them? Uh, how can you when you don't even know where they are? And the smell of um, the bait mm-hmm. is so alluring to animals, all animals. Exactly. Dogs, cats. Exactly. Yes, particularly dogs. I mean, anybody who owns a dog knows they want it. They're attracted to every scent out there. When you're taking them for a walk on a leash, what is that smell? What is that scent? Those are the same lures that they use for the other canine species. So the same thing that's going to arouse the curiosity or territory instincts in a coyote or a wolf is going to do the same to your dog. Um, in, in a period of less than two and a half years, over 100 dogs were known trapped in Montana, according to FWP. Over 100 dogs in less than two and a half years were known trapped, and some never make it on the reports. Because they're um, not, they don't tra- have to report. Is that correct? They don't have to report They, they do have to. No, well, they have to report dogs. We managed to get that 
that they have to report dogs unless it's their own dog. If it's a trapper and he traps his own dog, which happens periodically, they don't have to report it. But any other dog has to be reported within 24 hours by the trapper. Um, But then the trapper can just let him go. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to call the Humane Society or toss them in the back of the truck and take them to a shelter, take them to a veterinarian. None of that. So these None animals, of that. These animals can be literally broken legs, what have you. They can yep. be dead, and all they have to do is yep. just release them from the trap and leave them lay. And report it. Yeah, I call FWP. It. Even those reports are inconsistent because I've tried following up recently on some that I knew of trapped dogs and got nowhere. It's like one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. Um, The system again and again with trapping and what they call regulated trapping is a farce. And um, is that because no one's one's checking up on them? Is that why? uh, Is there, I mean, FWP or any state agency in that aspect, no matter what state you're in, I guess we'll talk specifically about Montana, but they don't know where traps are set. Is that correct? They, they don't even know where That's these people. Correct. That's correct. And, and we would like to see trappers have to have a registered trap line because that would help with enforcement. Other places have registered trap lines. And if we had that, then, then the game wardens can go out and check them. Game wardens then would know where they are. Right now, nobody but the trapper knows where those traps are. And why is that? Um, well, because I, I personally think, given my experience, the trappers work very closely with FWP, and they set the regulations. They meet with them. Some of the FWP people are trappers themselves. It's like a good old boy system. Um, others, we're, we're not only, you know, not at the table, we're, we're, we can't even see through the window, the non-trappers, the non-consumptives, um, community. I mean, we're making a change at that, but it's very, very slow going. And now they might listen to us. They might even say, oh, you're always welcome at our meetings, but then they don't let us know when the meetings are. And if we find out, they still, they don't. They they discount us. They don't go with our recommendations. They they always, almost always, side with what the trappers want. So with that kind of clout, so, trappers must be a significant number then in Montana. Actually, no. It's interesting, um, and and I'm glad you asked that because. They do so, so much damage and take such a toll on our wildlife. People then say, I can't stand Montana. You're all about the hillbillies and rednecks and, you know, Mm. um, go back to the dark ages where it's less than 1%. It's closer to only a half a percent of Montanans purchase a $29 trapping license. So you're talking around 6000 people in Montana out of a population of over just over a million do this, but they kill, they kill a reported average trap and kill a reported average of at least 50,000 wildlife. And those are just the ones reported. Six, they don't have to report 6,000 registered trappers Uh in the state of Montana. And they are the ones that control 
what happens <laughs> with regulating yep. trapping. Yeah. The yeah. non-consumptive user doesn't have any, any yeah. say. Hmm. Well, that no, says, that no. says a yeah. lot about even, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks at this point, doesn't it? Um, it's not yeah, about well, even wildlife. Like, right, right. And even going back to, say, your trap dog, that trapper isn't responsible if your dog gets caught in a trap. That trapper isn't responsible to pay the vet bills. As long as he or she was following the limited and few regulations we have, for example, you know, had um, had a tag, they all have to have an ID tag on the trap on public lands. As long as they did that, for example, um, and they were, some places they don't even have to be a certain distance across from a trail or a road. So your dog goes along, it gets caught in a trap and is severely injured. Too bad. That's all on you. So you can't release your animal, though, from a trap, correct? Absolutely, yes. That was a fallacy, and that was very scary to hear because we heard once of somebody shooting their dog that was in a trap. Um, No. And, And, in fact, if anybody ever, ever says they were afraid to or they were told they couldn't or they were charged somehow, we will we will. We will go to hell and back Good. to make sure they are defended. Um, and that has happened. Where What happens when you hear people that release their pet, you'll hear if some of them have been charged. Yes. And what often that is, is they, they, they took the traps. They were like, there's never just one trap. Correct. So when you find your dog, in fact, there was a case here down in the Bitterroot where as they were trying to free one dog, the other dog got caught. Oh, my God. Um, and so, and then they were faced with charges because they took the traps. So what happens well, if you don't know how to release a trap, but your dog's in it? Exactly. Right. Or you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want, this could have been a child. And that's what happens. Especially what's coming up here soon. People go out to find the perfect Christmas tree and in doing so they encounter traps. And we had one near miss here a few years ago in a very popular place of Scalcaho that people like to go for Christmas trees and the dog got to the trap first. Children went running over. Mm-hmm. There was a, a feather hanging um, and, and moving back and forth and children are so observant, much more so than we are. They don't miss anything. And the children were curious and ran over. Why is this feather hanging there blowing in mm-hmm. the wind? Well, that was a bobcat trap set, and the dog got there first, and the dog got trapped. Well, that's also so horrific for these children. Dogs, no animal steps in a trap and says, oh, look, I'm just here with something on my foot like a big shoe. No, it's like having... Yeah, they're yelping, they're screaming, they're throwing around, you know, they could be biting. So it was very, very traumatic. Um and and those people took the traps. And I to this day I don't know who they are. They said we never want anybody else to ever experience this. And we felt it, it we were doing a public service by taking these traps because nobody is out there looking out for us. And that's a fact so, actually that Yeah, that's that a fact. The, the it's a fact. Legal entities um don't look at the private sector or the they're right. what they consider not their constituents because we all know that um you know these government entities fish wildlife and parks their uh, their constituents are hunters trappers 
that's pretty much their their they they consider themselves you know that's it as far as their constituents and who they need to uh, work for. Um, exactly. I I think you know when we talk about trappers and and I've um, I've I've met my share and um, they're <laughs> they're an interesting group of folks and I'm going to leave character out of it because I think it speaks for itself but. These are people that I've heard say numerous times, and it blows me away because it makes no sense to me. They say how much they love wildlife. They love, you know, these animals that they brutalize. And I, I, I don't even, I, there's no other way to put it, right? They have, it's a psychopathic need to, to put an animal through horrendous pains, but they say that they love it. They love wildlife. How how do you factor that when you're talking to these people? Because you go toe-to-toe with them, and they're a threatening group in some cases. And so, oh, absolutely. you know, you've, you've had death threats, which I find, you know, so right up their alley. But how can you, how can they justify loving wildlife when they do the things they do, and if you can hit on the way that they kill these animals and what these animals go through, knowing that there's really no trap checks and all that um, in the state of Montana. Well, that's a loaded question, but... Um, do your darndest. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, some, some thoughts that come to mind... I don't know personally if I've heard trappers say they love wildlife. And and I I I'm right there with you. I don't know how you can love something and torture and put an animal through what you put them through in the in um the act of of trapping. Trapping is inherently it's inherently violent practice. Um I did once talk at length. I, I try to understand them. And so as much as as difficult as it is sometimes to talk with them, I, I've had some lengthy um, discussions with trappers. And I, I feel like I can learn so much more from them than from our side because I know our side. I get it. I get how we're so appalled by all this. And this trapper was explaining to me how much he loves going trapping and and the challenges he faces and, you know, trying to find where the animal is and looking for the tracks and getting just the right bait and going and, and eventually finding, he was talking bobcats. And, um, and I said, I get that. I get that as someone who loves, actually loves wildlife to go out there and try to find them, which are very hard to find nowadays compared to the way they used to be. Yeah, but I don't want but, to brutalize yeah, I don't it. kill it. Yes. Yeah, I don't kill it. I mean, that to me, if you're killing something, you're killing it to eat it. You're killing it out of revenge. Um, you're killing it to protect for protection for yourself or maybe your livestock. I'm not saying if if any of this is right or wrong, but I get that. I get that maybe you hate that coyote so much. Because 
you know, you found your sheep or your, you know, your prized ram, whatever. I can understand that. Yeah, your dog, that particular animal. And so you're acting in a fit of rage. But to do this, what, what they love is they love to trap. They don't love the animals. They say trapping is like Christmas. You never know what you're going to get. Oh, my God. They love that. That's a sociopathic statement when it comes to the torture of what they do. That's, that's seriously, that's torture. That's not, you know, finding a president under the tree. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. And then you would, you know, so you say, okay, but what about, what is the breaking point? And every now and then you will hear somebody say, I, you know, my, my dad caught the neighbor's dog. And he could never trap again after that. But I'll tell you, all these non-target animals, the animals that, I don't even like the term non-target, but that's what they use. It because, you know, you might have in your head what you want, but traps don't target as an animal. Right. Any animal that's out there that's curious, that's eating, drinking, flying, seeking shelter, happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, is can be and is often a victim to a trap or a snare. So, but for a trapper to go out there, we reported, actually, I reported a kid, he, he caught a great horned owl and he kept yelling at it to fly away. And he had put it on video. He thought it was the coolest thing to have this trap down that he released and kept yelling and fly away. Well, that was totally illegal. They're protected species. But did he stop trapping? Probably not. Um, they so so. It's not even like whatever they get in their head about. I love wildlife. If they're even you know trying to convince people of that. Well, how much did you love that mountain lion when you found the paw in a trap and, and the claw marks up and down the tree? As it as cats will do, they go up for safety up into the tree, and eventually it ripped off its trapped paw. How, how, that's like a guy, you know, that's, that's a sociopath that, that rapes women and, and beats them and tortures them and says, and takes their pictures and says, I love women. I love them. I love their blood. I love their smell. Um, it's, it's scary. And I think what, what happens when the question of how do they do this, it's, in my experience, it's generational. They take children, very young children, as young as six years old, can trap um, for mink and muskrat in Montana. Six years old. You don't have a clue what's happening in life at six years old. (laughs) Right, right. One of my degrees is in psychology, and and the emphasis was on on child psychology, comparative psychology, and animal behavior. A six-year-old is just learning the difference between reality and fantasy, but the most important thing to a child in their formative years, those first three years where they're most rapidly developing, are their caregivers, their parents. So if the parents load the toddler, the baby, which they do, in the backpack and take them out there trapping, I have pictures of these children laying against these dead, trapped animals like a child would cuddle with a stuffed animal. That disconnect is formed at a very, very early age. And then they say, they don't hurt. These animals don't get hurt. They're not hurting. It's like years ago, I think it was Descartes, um, 
was the um, researcher, was it him? I can't remember. But anyhow, many years ago, actually not that many years ago, when they did not give animals anesthesia and they would do operations on them. And they said, the animals, the animals are like machines. They're just like a machine. They're cogs. And so the squealing and the screams that you're hearing from these animals that are under no anesthesia whatsoever are just like the gears in a machine. You are kidding me. And no, and that was that wasn't that is so insane. Yes. So and I see that now when they say like we have Trap Free Montana has the the wolf in a trap um on the billboard, the dying wolf. And when I was this year, when I was testifying, or not testifying, but giving public comment to the trapping advisory committee that was supposed to solve lots of problems, um, and I think it was just a big smoke screen, and they were set up to fail. This was during legislation, um, or is this at after? No, this was a committee that oh, yes, said, yes, you yes, know yes. what, we we have to address this. We FWP said we have to address all of this you know, social conflict against trapping, let's pull these people together, we'll select them. Well, when I was giving my public comment during one of the um, half dozen meetings across the state that I attended, um, one of the trappers commented on this dying wolf on the billboard, and he said that that wolf was just sleeping, just resting, it was fine, it could eat the snow, the adipose tissue, the fat, is gushing out of that trapped oh, paw. God. It's a horrible now picture. Mon- it's a horrible picture. And so we've had other trappers with the Montana Trappers Association saying being in a leg hole trap is like handcuffs. Well, not when you look at the evidence. Not when you look at what happens to these these paws, these limbs. Um, and that's what you ask, like, well, then what do they do? First of all, not only when the animal's first trapped, they're going to struggle. And they, and so that's where some dislocations come because they're trying to free themselves. It hurts. It's like a car door slamming on their, on whatever it can be on their nose. Doesn't necessarily have to be on their foot. We have pictures where an animal sticks its nose down for the bait and that's what gets, gets caught in the trap. Um, so then if it's on their paw or their leg, they bite at it. So mouth injuries are very common. Broken teeth are common. Um, then the animal, what they find is the animal struggles, stops, struggles, stops, almost like there's periods of struggling and stopping. Um, in Montana, they don't have to come and check those traps. There's only two exceptions. Traps set for wolves have to be checked every 48 hours, and traps set for lynx in designated lynx protection, I'm sorry, traps set for bobcat in designated lynx protection zones have to be checked every 48 hours. So basically, All let me the just, rest, so, so, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but so what you're telling no. me is that these animals are laying there, normally in winter, where it's yeah. cold, Really cold, mm-hmm. and so when you're when you're stagnant, when you're not moving, um, cold just really sets in quickly. You're in pain. You're stuck for forty eight yep. hours. So I'm putting that into perspective for me. If I am stuck outside for forty eight hours and I can't move, mm-hmm. 
I'm literally stuck. I'm in pain. I'm in agony. I'm cold. So hypothermic. Hypothermia yep. would sit in. Freeze to death. You don't have food. You, you have, have no food. food. Yep. And water. You, you don't should. have water. Yeah. You, people, you know, you can't eat snow, right? There's a reason for that. It, it you know, right. it's too cold. Right. So 48 hours. And that's oh, and there's only more. for two things. That's only for two. Yeah. Two. The other 18, the other, not even the other 18 species, all the other animals. So if somebody's out there and they're, they're setting traps for whatever and they catch a mountain lion, well, or they catch an eagle, it can be legally in that trap for a week well, <laughs> before the trapper comes back. And in the meantime, what happens not only of that pain and that hunger, one of the worst things that ever can happen to a trapped animal or to a wild animal is to be trapped. Right. You have three responses in an animal when, when they're challenged. Fight, flee, or freeze. Well, so they fight. They fight the trap. You know, they can't run. They try to run. And so that's where dislocations will often come. Sometimes they break free. I just got it. I get a call every year of a trapped, an animal running around with a trap on them. I have yet to be able to catch any of them, find them and catch them. Um, But I always get a call and then freeze. So what they do is they freeze. They have no alternative. So when the trapper says, oh, they're sleeping when I come out there. Well, if you look at the photos, they're going to try to make themselves look as small as possible. Because they know I can't be big. I can't look big because I, I've, I've lost this battle already. I so I've got to, I submit, you know, and they crunch down as low as they possibly can. There's a thing in psychology called learned helplessness. And they did a horrible study many years, not many, but years ago, where they put dogs in a, in a pool um, and and had them keep swimming until they drowned, and that's where it came about. One of the theories and and of learned helplessness. Eventually, the dog just didn't care anymore; just gave up, and that's what happens with these trapped animals. The other thing that happens with them: not only are they, ex- you know, without the food and the water, and they're hurting and exposed to those elements, other animals come and feed on them, so they're at risk of predation. They can't get away. So other animals come and, and chew on, kill them, kill them, eat them. And then the trapper's mad. He says, oh, I lost another fox, probably to a damn coyote. <laughs> they, um, they create, a, they, they create a, a, a menu and they're mad because yeah. it happens. And nobody, there's no empathy at all. There's no, no, there's no, no. compassion. There's absolutely, these animals are, as you said earlier, they're just... A machine. They're just a. It, there's yeah, nothing to a machine. it, and it's all they are is a. Uh, it's a. It's a way to to make money for them. It's a fur. It's that's all they are. Is yeah. Just fur. And well, and some now fur prices are down on most species, um, but they say they're stockpiling them until it turns around. Or and again, the number one reason they say they do it is for fun. I got a call earlier this year, this woman was horrified out hiking and came across these guys carrying foxes off the trail. Um, and the foxes, the, the foxes were still alive. 
both she and the gal that she was with said they saw those foxes move um, mm-hmm. as they were carrying them out. They saw them, you know, twitch like their final, final breath. And and so and she was like, um, I have my dog, you know, and he's like, oh well, you just don't want to go back in there. And she goes, so I don't understand why why are you trapping these foxes? Is there, I mean, you make money off of it? And I quote, they said, no, it's just something to do. <laughs> so it is a psychopathic so, sport. Yeah, these aren't foxes that are near somebody's place and they go, you know, we're tired of losing the, the chickens, which they could they could do something about that besides killing the foxes. They, these are people out on public land that belongs to the wildlife. And it's that, that public land, you know, everything's getting developed and threatened and encroached upon. Then where are they supposed to go? If they can't live decently and respectfully on public land, where can they? And I think that's the biggest thing with all advocates, wildlife advocates, is that, you know, our greatest fight is simply to say, when, when are we going to recognize that we have, we have brutalized our public lands, meaning we've brutalized our, our wildlife so much, and we're losing it at such an astronomical rate. And it does affect everyone. And I think that's the biggest problem I've got is that, you know, people disassociate. It's like, well, that, that trapper isn't affecting me. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, that animal, it doesn't affect me. And I think that, I think that's the problem we've got is that there's such a disconnect from everyone unless they are in the wild, you know, in the wilderness and and then they are an advocate. And I wish, I think my question for you right now, just as a segue is how, what, what do you feel as an advocate? What do you feel we need to do to get people to recognize this does affect everyone and that we're talking about future generations. It is our responsibility. How do we get these people to wake up? And what do you say to people out there that they want to be an advocate? Maybe, um, (laughs) You know, I could say a lot of things, but what what would you suggest? What do you say? Um, what are your pointers? You know, how, what, why, and what does it entail? I think um, you ask hard questions. <laughs> yeah, they're wow, um, your, well. Your questions. Uh, no, no, they're good. I mean, because they're all very spot on, but they're multifaceted. You you started with asking, like, you know, how do you how do you get people to even care to even identify with this? Let's start with that. Um, and I, yeah, well, I think with that's human nature. Um, and one of the things I've learned, and I I try to be mindful of. We're, we're a very selfish species. Maybe all species are, for all I know. Maybe, you know, we're all out to, to survive um, and, and procreate, you know, do our best, whatever, have the most resources. Um, but with humans, I know, people want to know, in order for them to change or take action, how does it affect me emotionally or financially? So when somebody's dog is caught in a trap, well, now they're a supporter of ours the majority of times, or they don't like trapping, 
or they there's fence sitters. There's people that they just don't know. They might not like it, but they're they're falling for the propaganda. So to get them involved, to get is is that educational piece. This what is what goes on. And this is why it doesn't need to go on and it shouldn't go on. So coming at it from different angles. Um, The other thing is people like you, even people say, like I have friends, I know people, they don't, they're not dog people, they're cat people, their cats are indoors. Um, They don't, you know, maybe they don't hike, but maybe they love um, bobcats. Maybe, so getting them to, identify and get to know a species so that they care about what's happening to that species. And unfortunately, so many people are indoors now Mm. and and behind a computer screen, and so they're losing that disconnect with nature. So I think that's one big thing. We do a, um, a thing every now and then, we'll call it for the love of wildlife, because if we can get people to connect with those animals and look, it, you know, like with wolves, they're yeah. beautiful animals. Look at, you know, World Wildlife Fund. They use a panda. They don't use a crocodile. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> something something beautiful that people, um, you know, can identify with. That that inspires them to care. So I think that that's one piece. And starting with children, too, because... Children are being taught at an early age, like I said, they can trap here um, at the age of six. They can actually trap coyotes at the age of two. Um, because they're, they're walking, totally they're walking at this point, you know, I mean, really I know. to be able to go out and, and, and yeah. to set a trap. I've tried, I've tried to, yeah. to, to, to release and set traps. I know how hard that is. So, you know, I, I think that's ridiculous. Education. So starting as early as we can. Yeah. To, to so with education them. and getting, pe- yeah, getting people. And I think right now too, like you said, um, one of the things like people are starting to get on board with climate change and, and that it's, it's not just climate change. It's a climate crisis. Amen. It, 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 so they might say, you know, I, I have no feelings about trapping. I see a need. FWP likes to call it a management tool. Um, but yeah. if they can say, but I, why are we killing beaver? I don't care how we're killing beaver. Why are we killing beaver when they are nature's hydro engineers? They clean the water, preserve the water, um, retain the water, create the wetlands, create fire breaks on and on. We need them. So forming those, I think, connections, why these these species matter, and that they need to understand, you, you pull one string on the web, it's not one string. You're unraveling. So even if someone couldn't care about animals, could care less, what happens to them is going to happen to us. Um, so that's my, my thing about... Everything is yeah, connected. Bees. We are I know. All yeah, exactly. As far as um, your next part of the question was about, ask me again about the advocacy part. What would I? Well, if you gave, if you had an ad, somebody who wanted to get involved, and oh, we yeah. both know that there's multiple ways to get involved. But if you had somebody mm-hmm. out there that wanted to be involved, explain what that, what it is they can do, and well, pointers well, on how to do it. I, the thing that we, we try to strive is everybody has something to offer 
And and I think that can be very empowering to people if they realize and accept that. Maybe maybe they like to write. Maybe they like to take photos. Maybe they like to do research or draw. Um, maybe, you know, they like to fundraise or make things. All of those things can be beneficial. All of them. So to tap in, to think about what do you like to do in your interest, because what I encourage people is when they want to help us, then do what you like to do, because this is so hard and it's so heartbreaking. And, you know, we often, it might feel like we get one, take one step forward and, you know, 10 back so that you don't burn out, you stay committed and, and you feel like, wow, I'm good at this. I'm doing something. I'm extending something in me that I that I've that I feel confident in, or I wanted to do. Um, that's that's a big piece of of as far as what they could personally do. Um, what what sometimes happens is, and you guys might you know you might encounter this. We can get lots of wonderful ideas. There's there's so many wrongs with trapping. There's so many ways to come at it, but even though we have a board of directors, a very small board, um, there's only so much we can do. And some of these are excellent ideas, but we need help. We need them to do it. We need we need people to find out what stores are selling furs and which ones won't sell furs, local stores, and, and create that list, send that list to us, help with that list, so that we can promote those businesses to others. There's that's just an example. And the big, big piece that people need to do is make trapping a topic. It's, trap can't stay a four-letter bad word forever where we don't talk about it. Nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to ruffle any feathers. How We can't fix a problem if we don't can't even talk about it. Right, right. And, they have to talk about it with others to educate and also legislators and people running for office. It's got to be a topic. It's got to be a topic right up there with protecting our public lands and natural resources and the climate crisis we're in. What are you going to do about it? How do you feel about it? It's got to be so much more that isn't up on the table for discussion and then they've got to vote accordingly and they've got to tell their friends and they've got to get people and we'll support them because that's what Trap Free Montana Public Lands can do. We can do a little more political stuff as a 501c4. If someone says, you know, I've been thinking I'd I'd like to run for office, um, we'll do what we can to try to help them get elected. There's there's lots of candidates, or I don't know about lots, but what we encountered in this last legislative session, and one in particular was rather rude to our people who called. No one ran against him. So I don't know why he should be quite so cocky <laughs> for winning <laughs> when like you, you're uh, cocky you know. Because you're the only one out there. That makes sense. Yep, you've got that power, you have no threats, and you probably don't have to even worry when we say you won't get voted in again, because unless somebody runs against him, um, he can go right on, you know. Well, we're going through another uh, big political, you know, uh, um, 
scenario right now. And I think that if people understood and started asking these questions, not just, I mean, we obviously have really important subjects on the table right now, just, just for us to survive. Right. But I think it's important to actually start bringing to light um, the, the climate change aspect of things and what that entails. And, and, and that goes down to our public lands, that goes down to our wildlife. Um, and we need to start talking to um, these people who are running for office, local government, Absolutely. Senate, what have you. We need to start discussing these things and say, where do you stand on this? Um, I had that discussion one time with a guy that came to my house and he just kind of looked at me and I said, where do you stand on wolves? This was back in Montana. And he just stared at me like, oh, God, this is a 50-50 shot. Which way do I go? <laughs> and you could see it in his eyes because he had no idea what I, what I was at, you know, aiming for. And I said, just go. <laughs> you just need to go. And my reasoning was simple. You're a politician. Know, know the subjects. And if you don't care, just yep. tell me, I don't care. This isn't my thing. But to me, we all have to find what's important to us, and we really have to uh, get out there and vote and really, really put our uh, um, those people running for office. We have to put them. We have to put them on the spot and ask them the correct questions to find out where they mm-hmm. are, um, because we're and hold them accountable. Lives. Exactly. Well, we, that's, hold them that's accountable a whole because another subject, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 what's so cool with with trapping is it is bipartisan. It's the one thing in such in our divided country with Trump lovers and Trump haters and re- Republicans against Democrats and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I witness it almost every single day that some of our most avid supporters are Democrats and some of our most avid supporters are Republicans. And it's the one thing, it's so cool to, so to get them and say, okay, then put your vote where your mouth is and, and start insisting, demanding, telling them you're not going to vote for them again, because that's what matters most to them or you're not going to vote for them at all. Um, and that, that, that brings out accountability. Got to be an issue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it's essential with everything. I think we're we're um, we're allowing we're allowing politicians to slide, and um, mm-hmm. we've got to knock it off because it is the future. And it's yeah. it's we don't have <laughs> we're losing. I can't, and I think we hear it. We're seeing it more and more. Like you had you had hit on earlier, we're we're recognizing climate change finally. We still have the fight saying it's not climate change. Uh-huh. It's a sick yeah. issue. And I'm like, whatever. I don't care what the reasoning is. It's happening and we can do right. something to help ebb it um, and, yeah. and change yeah. that flow a little bit. But um, we are killing our, our wildlife at a rapid rate. I want everybody to understand um, Trap Free Montana has been really um, – it's been awesome seeing the – billboards that you have going in and out of Yellowstone National Park. And, you know, we were talking, uh, you had mentioned the, the, the photo of the trapped wolf. Um, for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, there's a billboard uh, paid by, uh, for by Trap Free Montana. And it's actually, the picture is on the front of your, it's on your homepage of your website uh-huh. as well. 
um, of the billboard. And that's, uh, again, I'm going to say it a hundred times probably today, but that is trapfreemt.org. Go there, take a look. These billboards, um, they speak, the photo speaks, uh, uh, and, and, you know, your words and the suffering support trap free Montana. These billboards aren't cheap, but no. they, they, but they, they say a lot to people that are coming in and out of the park who are there to see wolves and bears and coyotes and otters. And I can go on and on and on because that is, you know, that's my favorite place, but it, it is, it's a powerful message for folks who are unaware about trapping and it's really important to push them in this direction, but there's other ways to advocate. And sometimes you can't personally be there, but you can help fund these things like these educational billboards that are throughout uh, Montana, Wyoming. I know there's some folks in, in Wyoming that have some as well, but we, we really need to, to, let that be known so that these legislators that are driving into uh, Helena are seeing them. The folks that are driving mm-hmm. into Yellowstone National Park are seeing them, and they're going to question, what do, what do you mean trapping? So, folks, all I can say is if you can't go out and sit at a meeting and say your piece, you can write and you can send a check. And um, I think it's really important to recognize that, that it does help finances this is this is not uh, a bunch of rich people getting together and throwing their money around. It's it's an expensive um, venture to advocate for animals, and um, so donate. There's also a donate button on that uh, on that website. But um, thank thank you, Kim. You the and it's and they're tax deductible. The donations for those billboards, the donations to Trap Free Montana, are tax deductible. We um, we had one in Billings and we let it go because it ran us six hundred dollars a month, and after six months it, it was just too costly for us. But at least we had that one up in a good location in Billings, um, which I think Billings is the most populous city in Montana. And we have them on along other major highways in Montana. We've got one on either end of Helena because we wanted the legislators to see them. Absolutely, we've got great we've got Great Falls and Gallatin Gateway. We um, this is our second year doing this, but people can make. We've got some people that make a recurring donation every month. It's just an automatic donation, and that's on our website that they can do that. I mean, ten dollars a month if. 50 people did $10 a month. That would cover one billboard for a month. And our goal was to get more billboards up around the state because they've been so powerful in increasing awareness. But again, this is our second year doing it. And and you don't just do it month by month. You have to make a commitment. Yeah. Um, you have to make, um, otherwise you could lose that billboard. So we have to sign a contract. So we have to commit and know that we have that money coming in. We're all volunteer. So other than, you know, we don't even have office space. So other than stamps, postage, that kind of a thing, um, it's the donations go directly to the cause. But we can only do so much, you know, based on the donations that come in. So thank you. We, we really 
do appreciate um, each and every one we get. And the more we get, the more the more that we can do. They monitor the billboards too, so it shows us when we select a billboard how many viewers see that billboard. Whether it's forty-seven thousand people drive past that in a week, so the more expensive billboards because they're they're more populous areas, such as the Billings billboard. Um, many, many more people, but it, it's such a way to increase awareness. Um, it's a hard image to see, and it's and it's a factual, true, heartbreaking image, but it it's the reality of trapping. Well, there's it's nothing the there's nothing trapping. pretty about this, and I think nobody no. you you wouldn't be out there advocating for you know let's go pet the fluffy dog, right? We don't we don't advocate right. um, against things like that. We advocate against things that. Um, that are are horrendous, and these billboards, yeah. um, these billboards sh- show you <laughs> what what happens and what's going on. And there's so many other things out there, um, you know, where these people take pictures of these animals as they're you know bloody, as we know, um, you know, mm-hmm. blood all over the snow, and they're smiling as this animal is cowering behind them or around them. Exactly, and yep. you know they yep. take. They love to take pictures of uh, those trapped animals before they bludgeon them. Yeah. Before they, you asked earlier. So what happens when they get out there? Finally, days, a week later, if the animal's even barely alive after a week, I doubt it. But when they do arrive, you look at those animals, and they're looking at them with, you know. Oh, like, help me. What are you going to do? You can see the their pupils. They're in fear mode. And what happens after 24 hours, a thing called capture myopathy sets in. Those cortisol levels are so built up. Remember, we talked about fight, flight, or freeze. Right, right. So all those hormones are built up in there. And what it does, it damages the heart. So even any animal, say a mountain lion, or they'll say, oh, it was fine. I let it go. I let the eagle go. I let the mountain lion go. Um, I let some some dog go, and they're fine, not necessarily, and they find out they could die like a week later from heart failure mm-hmm. just from that buildup of all those toxins. But if they decide they're going to kill them, it's all about preserving the pelt. So they'll drown them. They'll use a choke pole and strangle them. They, they like foot. to use... Um, pardon me? Use their foot, crush them, their necks, their chests. Yes, yes. Um, in fact, one of the trappers, he's, um, I think he's the president of Big Game Forever. He was on the um, trapping advisory committee that was appointed by FWP. And he said he likes to stand on top of the bobcat and he knows it's dead when it starts, stops, you know, squirming. Um, and There's he's, a quote I'm of him saying probably, that, isn't there? Yeah, well, I was there. I yeah. took notes. I listened to it. He he was. Um, he's probably about a hundred, or he's probably about two hundred pounds, big guy. But can you imagine standing on top of an innocent animal until it stops moving? Who who does that in their right mind? Who would want to do that? And he's the same guy that said any cats, any domestic cats, any cats he sees on the ranch that he manages, he kills. Neat guy. Any cat. So maybe, you know, here's a barn cat from the neighbor's ranch that's, you know, going after mice. He kills them. 
um, yeah, it, it takes a certain, I don't know. I, I, I can't fathom ever wanting to do that. Um, to, you know, they, they pick up the muskrat and whack it with a stick. Um, they beat them with baseball bats. I have pictures where they take the children out and they beat the trapped animal with a baseball bat. Um, and in a the country of such violence that, that we, that this is legal, that we perpetuate this and teach children that this is okay, then how do you, what's their future going to be? How are they going to treat others? I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? I mean, we have a very small number of people out there, trappers, that um, continue to raise more trappers, Mm -hmm. you know, this unethical practice, and it's simply, it is perpetuated by um, our government entities. They allot it, they feed them, and the money they get from that can't be that significant, you know? So to me, why do we continue to do this? And I think that's something that needs to, uh, needs to continue to go forward. And we need to, again, I'm going back to voting. We need to vote people in that actually have, um, a different idea so that we can change this mentality, this, this, you know, good old boys club mentality that, is in Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. That's in its own self. And that's not just Montana. That's everywhere. So I don't want to pigeonhole that. But with that in in and of itself, I know that we just got out of a legislative session this last year, and that was grueling and horrible. And, you know, a lot of things should have changed but didn't. But what does Trap Free, um, what do you guys have going on? What what um, what are you working on now, and what are your plans? Our main focus is our our number one goal is to try to get twenty four hour or daily trap checks, and it was the same bill that we tried to get in the Montana legislature um, and and worked with Wolves of the Rockies in attempting to do that, and um, had a had our, our the, the sponsor was. Um, Representative Bridget Smith, it would end so it would end a tremendous amount of suffering if we could get these um, 24-hour daily trap check. We started we wanted 24 hours, but before the language was even written, we changed it to daily, so it wouldn't have to be so exact. Um, and and we were trying to compromise just in order to try to get it to pass. But we will continue to work on that um, because, like I said, it'll spare a lot of suffering and someone's lost dog. Right now, we have so many missing dogs. Every day, there's dog after dog that's lost and missing in Montana. And I cringe wondering if it's not caught in a trap somewhere. And at least if that trapper had to check his traps, his or her traps, every 24 hours or every day, then that trap, that dog should be found and, and be able to get, you know, re- get back home, reunited. Um, so that's the big thing for many, many reasons. We're trying to do the 24-hour daily trap check. And the other thing, we're trying to help our beaver, as I mentioned, for so many reasons. For right now, beaver can be trapped five and a half to nine months out of the year for fun. 
Their fur is only worth about 10 bucks, and they can be trapped unlimited, no quota. Um, And they don't have to be reported. So it's totally unregulated. That's five and a half to nine months out of the year, with most of the states being nine months of the year. They just get a small reprieve in the summer. And in just three recent years, the trappers, which is less than half of the trappers that voluntarily reported, um, that number that they they say they trapped and killed was almost 20,000 beaver. Um, And that's, you know, that's from like about 40% of the trappers just voluntarily reporting. So we have no idea would it double that. You'll never Um, know. And that's not for damage control. That's not for somebody saying, you know, they're going to flood my whole pasture here. If a landowner can get a permit within a day, um, if they're having a problem and it's outside the season and they say, I, I want them trapped. If somebody else says, well, I don't want them trapped, but I have a problem, that takes about a month <laughs> uh, oh, for, for, a, for effective techniques to be utilized, um, move the beaver, fence the trees, all kinds of other things. So it's all about the answer in Montana, unfortunately, many places you got a problem or you might have a problem or you see a wild animal, kill it. Um, that's been the mantra. That's been the response. And and that's the other thing that Trap Free Montana does is promotes non-lethal means to that are alternatives to trapping um, that are effective. And then um, those are the two major things. I mean, there's always other things that we're focusing on um swift fox it it's it's just despicable and unfathomable that we're still trapping the little swift fox it weighs five pounds five to seven pounds its fur is worth five to seven dollars so like a dollar a pound they're little tiny they're smaller than a our house cats and they're very so easy to trap. They're very curious. And there's only, you know, there's so few left. But um, FWP told me that the trappers like to trap them for the notoriety. So we got to give them um, what they want. Yep. That's we got to be, they liked, you know. And I said, well, and then, well, why not trap them and relocate them? There's areas that want them. Well, some of the areas that wanted them, Um, when they told the trappers, well, no, you can't come back and then trap and kill them. And the trappers said they're not interested. (laughs) Um, I don't know, you know, how anybody can feel macho if that's what this is about. It makes them feel like some kind of tough guy, Um, you know, strangling. You could strangle a little, you probably could step on them, you know, give them one kick. They're five pounds. (laughs) Where's the challenge? Um, so, you know, we're, 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 you know, right. Science, the best available science does not support trapping. It's not, um, you know, managed by science. It actually contradicts science. So we keep trying our, you know, our efforts are to educate the public, empower the public with that knowledge they have to they need to go beyond going i hate trapping or stop trapping um they need to take it further 
it's good that they're pumped up and they hate it and um, they want it to stop and help us. We need more than a, a dislike on Facebook. You, yes, need, you yes. need to speak up and stand up. And I think that's the biggest concern that I have is that people, it, this is not a social media event. You have to speak up. You have to write the letters. You have to show up. You have to be vocal. And I think that for me, that's that's some of the the biggest preachings that I can have is that stop stop liking things on Facebook. That's great. And, and thank you for being there. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Right. And I think right. that's the biggest problems that I have with, uh, you know, with that whole end. What I do like is that I'm seeing a trend in the, um, in the fashion industry that's starting. Yes. And that's yes. exciting. At least that's, let's, we can, we can kind of push this and end this on a little bit brighter note to say that, that the fashion industry and the, and the stores are starting to say, yeah, we're not doing this crap anymore. You know, we're not going to sell exactly. We're not going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're seeing, now we don't know because they, they don't have to report the animals that they're trapping. Remember I said they can trap 20 species right. and only five of them, only five of them have to be reported. Mm. So we don't know now how many really are getting, getting trapped, but the numbers that are getting reported are going down. The major purchasers of the fur is Russia and China. Um, and since Russia and China, you know, whether it's politics, probably a combination of politics, and also their economies are down, the fur prices are going down too. Um, I mean, just, let's see, in, in 2012, 72,000 animals were reported trapped in Montana. Oh my God. That was that was that was over double what was reported back in the um, the first ballot initiative in uh, 2009. Thirty three thousand were reported trapped. Again, nobody knows how many because they don't have to report them. But you know the the estimates are in this country millions are trapped annually in this country. Millions of animals. And it's so Brilliant. quiet that we don't we don't think about it. Everybody knows about hunting season, but nobody mm-hmm. nobody knows about trapping. It's literally like you say, it's that quiet little thing that just sits off in the corner, and nobody they talks like about it that it. way. And when they continue, right. and, and, it's and the trappers, stay that way. yeah, the trappers like it that way. Let's keep it all secret and hidden. That's where I um, I love social media. I mean, I come back from the day in Colorado. We didn't have this. We didn't right. have social media when we got um, the constitutional amendments against against trapping statewide, at least against the body grip traps. We had phone trees. We met at people's homes, and we needed fifty thousand signatures, and we got a hundred and fifty thousand wow. signatures. Um, and Without social media, without social media, I love what social media has done for us and educating. When we did the initiative, or I was involved with the ballot initiative in 2009, people were going trapping. They still trap. And we had to spend as much time educating them when I formed Trap Free and did the initiative in 2013 because we could not wait any longer. The trappers certainly weren't waiting. People were running over to sign our ballot initiative. 
we didn't have to educate anymore. They knew all about it, and they knew they didn't like it. Which we means, got more signatures, which means and, it, and we were all volunteer. <laughs> and the beauty is, though, it, social media does have that outlet, right? Where we're actually able to reach more people because one share yep. sends it out to how many other people, and so on and so on. So social media definitely has its platform, but we have to pull people out of that platform and get out of the living room and make those calls. That's where I'm going with that. So social media is phenomenal for that aspect. And it does open up a forum for discussion. And I think that's really important. I think we need to discuss things more. And we need to to be more than... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, just exactly. We have we have to be more than just a like on 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 a Facebook page. Um, yeah, social social media warriors. I mean, yeah, they ha- they have to do more. Have to. Right. Um, I don't know if you know this, but talking about all these different um, designers and Macy's isn't going to do fur anymore, and California has banned, which has um, been phenomenal. Uh, that just came about, correct? That that. Yes, that just came about. Yeah. So they can still trap um, and not have to be very careful. Now, they don't, California doesn't trap anywhere near what we trap in Montana. Nowhere near. That doesn't matter that every individual species, of course, matters. Every individual animal, I should say. Um, but they can't trap for fur any, any longer in California. But it's huge. It's that still is huge. huge. So Recently, though. Go ahead. Just four days ago, just I think it's just four days ago, a place called House of Fraser Stores were going to return to um, selling furs, and the customer backlash was so intense, they changed their mind. I read that. I just read that, actually, this evening. Yes. Which is great. So people, yeah, people can, can make a difference. One thing I did want to add, Kim, because you probably see it, I see it, um, They'll say, where's a petition to sign? Mm. Mm-hmm. And we don't do petitions. Petitions, we have found, are so ineffective. I did yeah. one personally years ago, and um, you could target the audience. I don't think you can do that anymore. So if you look at some of these petitions that are on save, you know, stop trapping or do such and such, say in, you know, any state, I don't want to say a state and have people think that that's what just went on in that state. <laughs> right. But you'll look and there'll be all these, all these states, not only from other states, other countries. Yeah. All these other countries. And that's wonderful that they're following and that they care. But you know as well as I do how much that matters to the legislator, to the Wildlife Commission. Yep. When somebody from, you know, Australia is saying, you know, or Singapore, wherever, Turkey is saying these things. Even in Montana, um, my understanding, what I was told, and I think I confirmed it, Montanans carry more weight. Under the public trust, wildlife belongs to all U.S. citizens. But in Montana, when it comes to the rules and the regulations, Montanans carry more weight. And these petitions just are, they're a feel-good, I did something, but by and large, they are not effective. They're not effective. If you can get a list of a bunch of organizations submitting, signing on to a letter like what happened with the in New Mexico with that poor wolf, mm. um, the Mexican, uh, the Mexican wolf that was killed. I think I don't remember if it was New Mexico, or Arizona, but the Mexican gray wolf that was trapped, and then the guy beat it to get death yeah. with a shovel. 
um, the outrage, but the outrage was organized and Trap Free signed on, Trap Free Montana Public Lands, and all these other organizations. And I think a lot of people made the phone calls. That's what you need to do. Make those phone calls. Um, show up, write letters, don't sign petitions, and don't sign these form letters because they're treated as one. one. And that, I think that's people don't what? understand what a form letter or what the uh, what petitions are, and it is a feel good thing. They're not they're not the petition of, of old. And if you can, um, I just I don't deal with petitions. I get them constantly, you know, in my mm-hmm. uh, my mailbox where it's like sign this petition. And I'm like I can't. It's a it's no. in a sense it's a waste of time. Where do you think these petitions go? And it does. It has to be big organizations that are actually um, have clout. And if you want to be a part right. of that, that's fantastic. But the most um, I think you and I both can agree on this for sure is that the biggest thing that has changed the minds of legislators, the biggest things that have changed the mind of um, any government entity. So I will continue to say, like Fish, Wildlife, and Parks in Montana is the amount of people that show up and their outrage and the ability to be in their faces as often as you can. And on that phone, they know my name, you know, that that's, that's what you mm-hmm. have to be able to do. And they're like, Oh, it's you again. Yeah. And I'm going right. to keep calling and I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to keep bringing more people. And I'm going to keep telling you that, you know what? We are your constituent. And I think that's to me that one of the greatest things is show up, write those letters. Absolutely. And the legislature in this session for a bill that um, Trap Free Montana Public Lands did with Wolves of the Rockies, did the daily trap check bill. Again, we had we had like 12 people show up to testify um, and there were oh, probably, there were like 36 trappers that showed up um, from around the state, I mean, we had to go to Helena, which is, you know, from here, it's a three and a half hour drive yeah. one way. Um, but again, when you think, like I mentioned earlier, trappers are less than 1% of the population, yet they almost always, I think maybe they do always outnumber us at these hearings, at these meetings. And that's why is that they show and that's the problem. They don't care. And Mm -hmm. I think that uh, usually the, you know, that that seems to be the biggest issue is that we are our empathetic minds and hearts. (laughs) That's great. But I need you to be a warrior. I need you to show up because they don't care. They don't care. Right. And what kind of message does it does it send? They make the commissioner meetings, the wildlife commission meetings and the wildlife commissioners they're supposed to oversee fish, wildlife, and parks. Um, they make those public meetings really quite accessible. Sometimes, accessible. A, yeah, I mean, they're held at the different regions across the state that you can go in a lot of times for, at least for fur bearers, it's over like a lunch hour. It falls at that time frame. You can listen into the meetings so that you know what's going on in case for some reason you couldn't make it, that you can still submit your public comment. Um, and yet people a lot of times don't show up. And that message it sends to the commissioners has got to be, this isn't important. Yeah, they don't The fur bearers, the trapping, the wolves, the mountain lions. Um, I've been to meetings... And I was the only one that spoke up 
for mountain lions. And I spoke up because when mountain lions are caught in traps and killed, and that happens often, and it's a fallacy that it's just in traps set for wolves, plenty of them are dying in traps set for coyotes. Why? Probably because they're not, the traps aren't getting checked. Yeah. And that mountain lion, and a mountain lion relies on their feet. So you get a mountain lion with a damaged foot and you're asking for probably a very horrible death yeah. eventually. But they don't come off the quota. So I testify again and again, how come these mountain lions that are getting killed in traps, and these are just the ones we know about, and I don't have the numbers off my top of my head, but a rather significant number, don't even come off the quota. Um, but whether the people that care about mountain lions have given up, I don't know. Um, I just know as hard as it is, and the baby steps that we seem to be taking are, are the progress we're making is not near enough. But boy, I know how much worse it would be if we weren't doing it. That is such a true and, fact. And that's what keeps me going. I, I hear these animals. I've seen too many of these animals. I never want to get desensitized to it. But it can take a toll at times. And when I sit there and I go, gosh, I don't even know if we're making a difference. I do know it would be much worse if we quit, if we I didn't think, try. I think with that statement, you you have to say, wait, you are making a difference. And it would be a much, much, much worse place without you in it and without Trap Free Montana and everything you've done and everything you continue to do. And to me, that's, that's the most important thing. And this is a saying that I will probably say a hundred times throughout every podcast that I ever have is we have to take things a slice at a time. You can't ever get the whole loaf of bread. And a wise man told me that once. And I live with that statement on a daily basis. And there are moments where you're going to take, you know, you're going to get those three steps forward and then four of them back. But just remember you took those three steps and you have them. You know, you've, you've you've done that. So I'm thankful, and I'm thankful that I know you won't stop doing what you do. And I, uh, to me, that's 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 the most important thing. Because you're kind of rock, Casey York. <laughs> that's all I got to say. So well, well, I thank you. I would love. I you know, there's going to be a time where I'm going to have just a bunch of us sitting around a table and we're going to be drinking some wine and some beer. And we're just going to sit and talk about everything that we do. And that's going to be pretty awesome. So I hope you'll join me for that one as well. But I want to to thank you so much for hanging with me for, uh, for this time tonight. And um, yeah, just promise me we'll do it again. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I um, really appreciate it. And I'm, and I'm honored. Ah, you're awesome. I love you to death. And thank you, thank you, thank you. That's thank you. You betcha. To learn more about Trap Free Montana, please go to trapfreemontana.org. That's trapfreemt.org. And to learn more about Trap Free Montana public lands, please go to tfmpl.org. That's tfmpl.org. MPL.org. We would like to thank you for stopping by and listening in on all things Wolf and Wild.
We would like to thank our sponsors, NRS Rafts, Vortex Optics, and SKB Cases. Most importantly, we would like to thank you, our supporters and followers. We could not do this without you. Thanks.